What's going on, guys? It's Mike Cerrone from the DC Crossover Podcast. Ben and I have been producing audio content since our teenage years. But now, don't we wish we had the tools you guys have to create and distribute your own content? Let me quickly tell you about our new sponsor, Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's definitely something I love using. One reason, because it's free, people, F-R-E-E. As most of you may know, free is one of my favorite words, so don't get that mixed up. So no charge to start up with Anchor. Now let's talk about how easy it is to use. With Anchor, there are creation tools that allow you guys to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super simple and super accessible from anywhere. Now that you recorded, how do you distribute to the streaming apps? Anchor does it for you, folks. Whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or more, they got you. Using Anchor, you can actually make money from your podcast. Straight hard cash, homie. Whether you have a handful of friends, family, or group that wants to hear your content, there is no minimum listenership. It's everything you would ever need to make a podcast in one simple place. Want to get started? Here's what you guys need to do. Download the free Anchor app on your phone or go to anchor.fm to get your podcast started today. Now back to our nation's capital with Sarone and Simpson. As the Nationals are struck away from franchise history and some World Series history. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! It's not a dream! It's not a desert mirage! It's Lord Stanley! And he is coming to Washington! Oh, great crossover. Got him. That's called getting put on skates. Down to two, down to one, and the Washington football team with the upset in Pittsburgh. Handing the Steelers their first loss of the season, coming back from 14-0 down. What a win. The show by the fans for the fans. Covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the DC Crossover Podcast with your hosts, Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DC Crossover, episode number 66. Right here, listening live on The Contender. or catching us on demand on thecontender.com. That's Contender with a K. Or you might be listening to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are everywhere, and we are glad to be here um, on this Monday evening episode here. Second week in a row, we've done a Monday show. We'll be probably getting back to our Sunday evening schedule soon enough so we can have this show for Monday morning. But a lot of stuff been going on. It was Father's Day weekend. Um, There was... Some NBA games to be had and watched and consumed over the weekend as well. And there was apparently some sunshine to be consumed as well. As Mr. Cerrone, my partner here, um, has uh, your, your, your shirt is orange, but I can't tell if that's the shirt or if that's your <laughs> face at this point. Uh, it's definitely the shirt, but uh, I mean, because I am more red um, than the shirt. Uh, so me and my lovely girlfriend you're, were... You're the colors of the rainbow Yes, right now. yes. Uh, I'm you're... like a bag of Skittles um, yes. during Halloween. Uh, In many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. 
And uh, so we went to uh, uh, Florida, to Fort Lauderdale, for about four days uh, post-end uh, of school. And uh, we were like, all right, we're excited for the trip and all that kind of stuff. And it's going to be a truncated version of the details for just the vacation part. Because I have some gripes I need to get to as well, um, sure. like, like usual. So uh, on Friday, we, we flew in on Thursday. We got stuff for the room and everything like that. Um, and the room was beautiful and stuff like that. So I have to say thank you to her parents. Uh, it was kind of a birthday gift to her. And I was uh, fortunate to go along. And uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, a, an awesome room. It was like an end room. We had two huge loungers and a table on the, on the balcony, uh, you know, beachfront, everything like that. So first day, we kind of just hung out on the balcony and uh, and chilled. The second day we went to the beach. And you know, usually okay. I am better at this than, you know, uh, what I was like before, where I basically sat there and me and her, we got s- s- sunscreen on and everything like that. And then we were like, eh, we'll, we'll leave in the room. We'll, co- we'll come back up because we're both not huge beach people. Like we'll go down there sure. and like, you know, I'm the type of person that I like the beach, but I'll go down for a couple hours or something like that. I don't really like sitting down for eight the beach hours. Move, the beach move at our age is you bring the cooler, you stock it with drinks, mm-hmm. you got the beach chairs, you sit there and you just drink and you look at the ocean. That's all. <laughs> and then if you get too hot. Right. The water is there for you to use it if you need to. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to get all sand. Oh, yeah. Because then you're covered in sand, and sand gets in all your clothes and all your cracks and your crevices. Yeah. Um, and, and and then the rest of the vacation, you're finding sand in everything you have. Your suitcase gets sandy. It's the worst. Well, that's always funny so when that's people... Why, okay, go, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. You can finish your statement. Well, I was just going to say, that's why... Our move at this age is you just sit there and you drink. That's what you do at the beach. <laughs> and that's the funny thing is, I, like, I always like seeing the people who are just like digging holes and doing random things, and like they literally have their body covered in sand. They're like, "Oh, let's go wash off." It never works just to go wash off. No. You're going in salt water, so it's like you know, it's not just like it's going to wash off and you're just going to be perfectly clean like you're in a shower. And I just hate that. So basically, you know, we we both said a million times like, "Oh, we're just going to stay down there for a little bit and everything like that." And this hotel was beautiful where they gave us two chairs. Um, and we were like, eh, we don't really need it because the problem was it was overcast. So we didn't really think too much of the sun too much. Uh-huh. We were like, eh. That's the sneaky sun when it's yeah, overcast, man. That sneaky sun. As you found out. Uh, yeah. So basically that day, we were only da- down there for maybe be, maybe be, uh, maybe probably, uh, I'm trying to think, probably like three, three and a half hours. Um, which is usually okay. longer than what I would like to do, but we were having a good time. Uh, you know, we were just hanging out, you know, people watching. Uh, then we, we we met another uh, couple out there uh, in in the ocean, stuff like that, and we were just hanging out. Were they? What do you mean? You met them in the ocean? Were they mermaids? Like, they <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, they were staying at the same hotel, <laughs> and because the chairs were all all laid out and everything like that, uh, they right, were like okay. you know six feet apart and everything like that. Um, where you know we just told the guy when you walk up, like I'll take those two right there. And they were included in the room, unless you wanted an umbrella. Uh, you had to pay for that separately. Um, Which now you're kind of uh, thinking, oh, maybe yeah, I should have right. gone with the umbrella. Exactly. Uh, we were both thinking that after the fact. Um, but So they went in the ocean. Uh, my girlfriend went in the ocean, and I just met him in there. And she was talking to him beforehand. Um, and uh, we were just talking and stuff like that and just BSing out there. And then after a little while, we ended up coming back in. 
And we were just chilling there for probably another hour, hour and 15 minutes or whatever. So like I said, we were there probably about three, three and a half hours. Not too long. It's kind of really on the brink of what I like to stay on there, like on the edge. Um, you know, because four hours is probably my max that I could do that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like going to Ocean City where there's a million people. This thing was like private basically and it was like nice because there was only like 20 people surrounding us. Uh, yeah, that's the way to yeah. go. That's the way to enjoy it. So it was nice. So there was, I mean, you can only people watch for so long. Um, but... You know, we were talking to them, and then we sat down, and then we were, we got up, and we started talking to somebody else on the way out um, and stuff like that. So we were out there pretty long, and I was wearing, like, a cut-off T-shirt because I was like, I need to get some type of tan and stuff like that. Oh, so, no. yeah, so then later that evening, uh, you know, it was, we, we were fine, stuff like that. We knew we got a little red, but, you know, it was okay. Next morning, you wake up, and you look in the mirror, and you look like a, like a, you know, a, a lobster or something like that. You're just like, what so did I just do? So you, you said you wore sunscreen, right? But you just didn't reapply. Exactly. Didn't... That's the whole entire okay. point. And the funny thing is that uh... we got the spray, the spray type. So, like, you know, she sprayed it on me. I sprayed it on her. And you can see the lines of where we sprayed. And we were like, right, ooh, right. this, I, we, you know, because you, you think when you're spraying it, you think you're covering a lar- larger area, but no, you're just spraying like a line. You have to do like a, like, no, when you, man. like you you're mowing go, the lawn you or gotta something. You got to go overboard with that thing. As somebody with a, with a half sleeve tattoo, since tattoos in the sun, like, it, it'll wear away your tattoo. Like, it won't look as good anymore if you don't uh, do, use enough sunscreen. So, man, I slather it. Right. On. I am a big and look. I haven't been burnt in years, man. So yeah. you just got it. You got to slather it all over your body. Well, that's the thing I didn't. I don't usually get that burnt because I usually like reapply after like an hour and a half or something like that. Uh, you tested the sun, and, man. And well, because like I said won. the overcast killed me, and also my mom uh. thinks that it was um, also because we've been on uh, you know virtual and all that kind of stuff. So we haven't been exposed to the sun for a very long time, for the most part. Which I don't. Okay. I don't know if that has anything. I don't to think. Do I, with I don't know okay. if it does either. But <laughs> we're just we're, think... we're just trying to find something because I've. Didn't realize your mom was a scientist. Yeah, she, you know, so. yeah, she, she, she is smart if, for some of these things, but sure, no, I believe it's another, I believe it's it. another, you know. Theory. I just don't think that that's it. No, uh, it sounds to me that you guys just didn't reapply, and that's mm-hmm. the key: the, the reapplication. Especially if you're out there for like four hours, you're supposed to reapply like every hour and a half. Yeah, or something. and uh, like oh, so as I say, we we're under we're under four hours, so we got out there probably around noon or something, and we left around three thirty, and. It, it just was not good. So the second night, it wasn't Friday night. It was Saturday night, I believe. No, maybe it was Friday night because uh, that was the day, the day we got burned. It usually shows up like within like several hours or whatever. Sure. Oh, that night was rough. I mean, I was I, – I, like I turned the thir- – It's hard to even sleep because yep. like if it's on your arms and stuff, as soon, any any sort of pressure – <laughs> like if you if you turn on your side or something, it hurts. Yeah, and I, so I mean, I've been there. I've had bad burns before too, man. It's the worst. I ended up going to the thermostat like three times. I ended up turning it down to sixty three. <laughs> hey, dude, that's what you got to do in a hotel. You got to turn it down as low as well, possible. Well, I, I I literally turned it down like five degrees right when we got in there. But that night, I I remember getting up like three or four times and like hardly being able to move. It was like the worst night of sleep ever. Oh. Um, qu- sleep in quotations. But that's the thing is, she got burned. Uh, her face was more so burned um, than anything else, but so you can't see it on screen. But I got my arm wrapped today. I had to go to <laughs> Anova. Looked like you had, uh, yeah. It looked like you're like a, a Civil War yeah, hero. Yeah, or something. Yeah, seriously. And I like so my arms got it the worst. My face is like you know it's burned, but it's not terrible. Uh, right. And my legs. So basically, the funniest part wasn't really funny. I mean, now you look back at it. So my legs, my knees were like swollen. I don't know how oh, that happened. Geez. I looked like I was like the, I was like the Hulk breaking out into. Like, it was probably right above the shorts line is yep. where it got burnt for you, 
Oh man. Oh man. And just think about this. Your your the peeling is gonna be outrageous. Yeah. So with your that's body. the problem. Like good thing it's summertime right now and like you're not having to go to work and mm-hmm. stuff because dude, you would be just it's almost like you have dandruff all over <laughs> your body at that point. Because literally the skin just falls off. I mean, you just go like this and it will just like fall off. Well, that, that's I mean, the funny thing too, crazy. is like so my legs, obviously, I'm a man, so I got I got leg hair, so it's not terrible. It yeah. just it hurts a little bit, but at the same time, it's just like my knees. Like I looked at Jess and I was like, "Yo, my knees are like swollen, like they they yeah. look like two softballs." And I'm like, "Cause I know what my knees look like, cause I've had knee injuries, right, right, so right. I know what they look like when they're normal." And the thing is, is that my arms got it the worst. And I went to the doctors today. Uh, my mom insisted on it because she was so worried. And she's yeah. That's probably. And I was good. like, I, I was like, I just want to, I just want to heal. So let me, I'll go. I usually just bite the bullet and just go, so I can get something stronger or whatever. And I go, sure. and she's like, she's like, wow, you, you look like you have second degree burns. And she looked at it, and she's like, yeah, this is pretty much equivalent to second degree burns on your arms. Oh, so man. she wrapped my arm and put like this, this topical stuff on there, and then she sent me a prescription to go get it and all that stuff. And I was like, oh boy. So and I, the funny thing is, I, I got on the scale, and it wasn't like I was like gaining so much weight over the weekend but i got on the scale and it said i gained like six pounds and i I figured that it was because my arms felt like they were statues like they were filled with concrete true and like like seriously my arm dude it looks like it had like a baseball on the side of it it was so swollen i was like something's wrong with me so bad i was like something's wrong and it it was just bad because i was like i know i didn't gain six pounds in like four days uh, you never know. I mean, I feel like I've done. Well, you that can before. do that, but that's the thing, though. I I wasn't eating like tons of okay. fatty food or or whatever. And on the last day, I wasn't drinking, and we we ate just like a little bit or whatever. So it just made no sense. And I, like I said, I was like, and the the, the doctor actually said that it probably is because of my arms. And because oh look, literally, God. I looked I looked at her, and I was like, this is like a statue. Like I can't even move it, and it was just terrible, man. So it's the worst burned uh, I've ever gotten. And it definitely does not feel good. Um, not to mention, her birthday is on Wednesday, so I'm trying to rush the oh, healing no. process for that kind of stuff. Luckily, she's being yeah. Because I assume you guys are going to go out to dinner and stuff, and yeah. like maybe meet up with her friends, and you're going to be there like the Tin Man. <laughs> you're just like you can't even move your arms. You might as well just pretend like you got in an accident. Or oh something. yeah. That way, that way you can like you know they'll they'll at least feel sorry for you. But you can't really feel that sorry for somebody who got a bad sunburn because you're like, hey, idiot. There's literally a thing that they make that you can buy to prevent this yeah. from happening. All you got to do is put it on your yeah, body. So she, but I but I feel for you. I've been she, there. She's I've been not there. thriving, I've nor am I. But uh, no. I told her because, like I said, uh, she went home yesterday and I went home and I and I basically said, hey, let's just lay low for a couple days. I'll see you on like Wednesday because it's your birthday or something like that. Uh, yeah. Or and, and or we'll figure something out. Uh, but I said let's lay low. She's, she's like, yeah, I'm very, I'm laying very. She said she stayed in bed all day today. <laughs> like I was like, I don't, I don't blame you. I mean, I went out to go the doctors or whatever. But this has been, it's, uh, this is this, this brutal. Is, it's, it's, like I said, it's brutal because just like you mentioned, it's on your arms, and that's like what you move yeah. the most. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. Especially sleeping is 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 brutal. It's the same thing as like if you don't work out for a long time, then you go back to the gym yeah. and you go too hard, and your arms are like stiff, like you can't even lift them above your right. head. And you try to sleep on your side, and it's the same thing. I mean, you're you're in a world of hurt. But I'm telling you, dude, when you get to that peeling point, that's going to be insane. Yeah, that's that. That's, that's the thing. It's like that's what I'm not looking forward to the most. But I'm hoping that because usually for that, I usually take like a sh- like a few showers in a day just to like help right. it, like whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, see yeah. what happens with that. But um, 
Yeah, so that that's wow. not a that's not a big ideal thing. The the, the weekend was awesome, but the, that was definitely not ideal. Um, but the the one biggest gripe, and I'll try to keep this short and sweet uh, before you get to your uh, your statement about. Uh, well, we will have to get into the show here. Okay, at some well, point. if you, well, I, I, can, I can talk about it later. That's fine. Don't okay, we'll, we'll we'll bring up Mike's gripe later on, but we do. <laughs> We, we, this is a sports podcast. We will right. get to some of the sports stuff. Mike and I could just do a side podcast. A lot of stuff uh, happening on, over the on all of our stuff here. Uh, let's dive into the rewind real quick, just to kind of get into a little bit about what has happened this past week in DC sports. And as has been the case the past couple weeks, it's not like a ton is going on because only two, well, really only one, I guess, of the teams is even playing right now. Uh, but the Washington Wizards did announce that Scott Brooks will not be returning to coach this team. I, I don't know if you guys saw our um, reactions on Twitter, uh, on the Contender account. Follow the Contender with a K on uh, Twitter uh, because Mike and I both posted some uh, immediate reactions to that. We'll get into the Scott Brooks stuff um, a little bit later on in our actual Wizards segment. Besides that, uh, the Washington Nationals, Mike, went 6-1 and one this week. Huge week for them. I'll start with the Pirates series and I'll let right. you Take on the Mets. So on Monday, the Nats beat the Pirates 3-2. to two. Kyle Schwarber, who we'll also get to later on, hit his fourth home run in three days, which we thought was cool back then, and then get to this weekend. But he drove in two runs in that game, and they beat the Pirates. Tuesday, beat the Pirates 8-1. Jan Gomes hits a grand slam. Corbin throws eight in the third, only allows one run. Wednesday, beat the Pirates again to complete the sweep. This was 3-1. Paolo Espino. Gets his first major league win at age 34. This was a series they had to sweep, and sweep it they did. What about the Mets? Moving series, on right? to the Mets series. Now, this is probably one of, if not the most important series, besides the Pirates series uh, just before that. And the Mets, you know, they couldn't handle the, the red hot Nats. I guess you want to call them red hot because they swept the Pirates. But Friday, they beat the Mets 1 0. Gomes had a walk off single. That was a huge win. Then you had uh, the doubleheader on the weekend. They lost to the Mets 5-1 in the first game of the doubleheader. Uh, Francisco Lindor drives in all five runs, which is kind of rare to see someone drive in all runs in one game. Yeah. Because uh, you would think, oh, just just walk the guy. Um, <laughs> but anyways, on Saturday, they finally took down the Mets 6-2 in their second game of the doubleheader. John Lester earns his first Nats win, which is nice to see. And on Sunday, the finale, they beat the Mets 5-2. Schwarber hits three bombs, three bomberuskis, and ties the Major League record with five homers in a two-game span. So that was very nice to see that they won against the Mets 3-1. and one. What a weekend and week for the Washington Nationals. And uh, actually, we might as well dive into them first, um, because we're talking. We're on the subject of the Nats. So we'll, we'll get to the Wizards in a bit, but first, let's start with the Washington Nationals. With the Washington Nationals, because why not? They're the only team playing right now. Forty-three and thirty-six record right now, third in the NL East, um, and. I guess, I mean, the big thing here was you and I had the conversation um, last show and, and really the, for the past couple weeks that this team was going to need, and excuse me, that record is 33 and 36. That's a typo there on my part. I was about to say, I was like, I don't think they're 13 games under. Oh, I thought you said 33 30, and 36. No, nah, I, I accidentally said 23. Oh. 33 and 36. Only three games below 500 right now. Third in the division. Because um, right now the the latest division standings in the NL East, well, really they're they're tied for third, I guess. But the Mets are thirty six and twenty nine, Phillies thirty four and thirty five, 
Atlanta's 33 and 36. The Nats are 33 and 36. And then Miami's 31 and 40. Still a pretty crowded division. But we had been talking lately that, you know, we were starting to get a little worried about this team, and especially with the start that they had had. And we had said that really this Pirates series, and with a lot of division games on the on, on the way, that this team really needed to just go out there and just you know kick butt um, over the Pirates, and then hopefully have some momentum heading into that Mets series. Hopefully miss Jacob Degrom, which they did, um, and win that series as well. And that's exactly what this team did. And and Mike, I think it gives me a little more hope especially, again, we're still in June. There's still a lot of baseball to be played. But, uh, you know, a few episodes ago, we were talking about this team being in fifth place in the division. They weren't really playing well at all. But the interesting thing here is they are winning baseball games, and we don't have Max Scherzer out on the hill. We don't have Steven Strasburg yep. out on the hill. Um, you know, it's it's Juan Soto has not been hitting that great. He's starting to hopefully put it back together, but he had been hitting like 215 or something in his last 21 games. So the stars aren't necessarily providing all the offense. Trey Turner hadn't hit a home run in forever. And then he finally got one in the Mets series. Uh, but it's all these role players that are getting it done. And this team is finding ways to win baseball games. And that's what you need to do. I mean, that's how you put yourself back into contention. So it's been fun to watch. Yeah, when you look at the schedule, it's nice to see a lot of W's on there. Now, we talked about it multiple times where they're not scoring a lot of runs. Yes, they got a few dubs, you know, without scoring a lot of runs. But you want to be, I always say, in that four to five run range to give yourself a shot. Now, obviously, you have some starters uh, on every team that may need you to pick them up because they let in five earned over five innings or whatever it may be, uh, having a couple bad innings here and there. But when you have a, a trio, I mean, I still will throw Corbin in there with Strasburg, Scherzer, and Corbin. You think about it and say, all right, well, this team doesn't really need to be built to score 12 runs or whatever a game. But like you just said, Strasburg and Scherzer, you know, they've been injured and, uh, and on the IL and different things of that nature. Um, and uh, day-to-day status and all that kind of stuff. So Corbin comes in, and I thought, you know, hey, Corbin's got to go out there, and he's got to throw one of the best games of his life uh, for, for at least this season, and that's what he did. Eight and a third is is remarkable. You, you have to go out there and throw. I mean, but he's always that guy that he, he can do that because he's a contact hitter. He's not going to go out there, and yeah, he'll have a wipeout slider, but he's the guy that's not going to go out there and try to, you know, strike out 11 like like Max or or, whatever, or Strasburg right. or whatever. So he did what he needed to do, and he actually got us a nice uh, uh, win where he rested the bullpen as well. Uh, so that's also nice to see. Um, but you look at some of these games, even in the seven-inning game, uh, or both seven-inning games in the uh, in the doubleheader, yes, they did not score a lot uh, with the first one. Okay, that's fine. Uh, so they lost, or they had two runs in, in total in 16 innings against the first two games of the Mets, and that's not really a great sign. Then they came out the next two days and scored 11 total. So that's actually nice to see. Just like I said, you want to stay in that four to five run range, I think, which is reasonable to get to. Um, and like I've told you many times, my type of baseball is small ball baseball, station to station, go like that. Because if you're not built to have you know all these boppers like the Dodgers or whoever it may be, uh, then then obviously you need to go station to station. You, maybe you get a home run from a guy like Schwarber or Soto, um, Josh Bell from time to time, obviously now. Uh, so when you're looking at it, I just think that when it comes down to it, you're seeing a lot of W's on the roster here. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, they've won eight out of the last ten. And that's a good little streak. And we mentioned it last week. We said the Pittsburgh series and the New York series, this is where it's going to be really tight to see, are we going to trade Max Scherzer? And now that it comes down to these standings, this is the biggest time that, hey, it's got to be decision time coming up here soon. Because obviously the trade deadline is looming. And, yes, we are only five games back. The Phillies right now are four games, just like you mentioned. The Braves as well, even though the Braves are down 4 nothing to the Mets right now, currently as we re- record this on a Monday. Uh, Marlins, eh, that's, that's, that's a different story. Um, but uh, at the same time, you just got to look at it and say, we're starting to score a little bit more runs. We're starting to get a little bit more you know, natural feel here in D.C. Um, you know, we did have a few games sprinkled in there. Uh, with with you know less runs than you would like, but just like you said, we're kind of treading water before Max and uh, Strauss come back to the ha- to the point where we can have those type of starts from our aces that can go out there and hold guys to one, maybe two runs max or whatever uh, of that nature, and we can have those chances where we do if we have bad games and score low runs, we can still have a chance if we score two or three at some points. The signs from Corbin have been promising. Here's his last three games, so. You know, the game against the Mets over the weekend, he threw uh, six innings, gave up two earned runs, four hits, uh, seven Ks. Decent outing there for sure. The game before was that Pittsburgh game, like you mentioned, eight and a third, eight hits, seven Ks, one earned run, one walk. And then the game before that, five innings, three earned runs, not as great, uh, kind of an off start for him. So that brings him now on the year, uh, he's five and five with a 5.40 ERA. Um, still not where you would necessarily want your number three guy in the rotation to be. But at the same time, if these last couple games are any indicator, then maybe Patrick Corbin has finally figured it out. Um, and, and especially the interesting thing is when the weather does get warmer, usually the ball is flying a little bit more around the park. But Patrick Corbin's been able to kind of minimize the damage here of late and been able to pitch really, really well. So that's a great sign, especially with the statuses of uh, Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer kind of being up in the air now at this point. We've even seen some good starts out of Eric Fetty. Yeah, I mean, right. we've got to give him credit. Yeah. Look, Mike and I, if if you are worthy of being trashed in the moment, we're going to trash you. But if you start to turn it around, we're going to give you the credit that you deserve. I mean, that's the thing. And, and Eric Fetty has, to his credit, been a solid pitching option for this team right now, which is pretty wild to think about it because, again, it's Eric Fetty. I mean, it's a guy that we've kind of made fun of the last few years. But on the season right now, 4-4 four and four with a 3.33 ERA. I mean, that's respectable. Yeah. His last seven games, he's got a 2-7 ERA. Here's the stats from his last three. He hasn't given up an earned run in his last three starts. Seven innings, two hits, no earned runs. Five innings, four hits, no earned runs. Seven innings, three hits, no earned runs. Eric Fetty is the ace right now. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's weird to say. Yeah. We're sorry, Eric. Yeah, well, that's the thing, too, also, is that, you know, when you see three starts like that from a guy that's supposed to be our, you know, five, six, seven pitcher or whatever you want to label him as. Who knows? Um, yeah. You know, because he's always been that guy where he's, you know, oh, he's coming in for a spot start or, oh, they're going to bring him out of the pen for a long relief appearance. Like, that's right. the thing is if you see something like that, now we know it's not going to happen every time. And he's going to be pitching against Philly on Wednesday. So, uh, and on day game as well. But that's the thing is if you see numbers like that, you, you can't be mad at it. And you have to be, just like you said, you have to sit there and say, 
That's respectable, especially when we need it the most right now. And we've always said the Nats have been, uh, and everyone on Sports Talk Radio, no matter what station or whatever you're listening to, hopefully you're listening to the the contender with the K, uh, that's the biggest thing is that you're looking at here and saying, you know what? The, the Nats have always been a slow starter team. I mean, you look at the World Series, they were 19-31, and 31, went on to win the World Series. Now, this team may not be as strong as a World Series team that we had then, but when you're looking at it now, it, it's just like, hey, maybe they just needed a little bit of juice to get going, and right now, even without our two aces on the hill, you know, we're starting to get a little juice going because of the sole fact that you just won three out of four against the, the division-leading Mets when you had people like uh, you know John Lester who 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 came back who who's been you know iffy this year and Corbin who's been iffy this year you know it's it's like you're looking at that and you know we won one uh, or the, one of the first two games was scoring two runs total so hey we'll we'll take that over division leading Mets uh, any day but like I said before they had to sweep the Mets or the the, the Pirates excuse me and they did that so they took care of business there eight out of ten eight out of ten is is pretty solid in my book and you have to give them props for that. You got to the the season is so long. There's going to be periods of these mini runs, and you got to take advantage when you're on a heater like they yep. are right now. And that's what they're doing is they're taking advantage. They've got some div- big division games to go, especially with the two Philly games and then the Miami games. Uh, I wanted to touch on Kyle Schwarber real quick because this is another guy that uh, we were critical of early on in the season. Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell were the two big bats that. Mike Rizzo brought over in this ever-ending, never-ending quest <laughs> to replace um, uh, Anthony Rendon's production. And uh, Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell both got off to a pretty terrible start. Um, but here's the last seven games for Kyle Schwarber. 26 at-bats, 10 hits, 6 bombs, 11 RBI, uh, 385 average, 414 on base, and over uh, – it's a 1.077 slugging. Just absolutely – insane numbers for Schwarber of late, especially the five home runs over the weekend coming off of a weekend that he hit three, I believe the previous weekend. I mean, he's up to 18 bombs on the season right now. Uh, So Kyle Schwarber has been um, kind of everything this team's needed right now because of what they're not getting with Juan Soto. Yeah, And that's the biggest thing as well is that, you know, when you look at Juan Soto, he still is leading a lot of categories for this team. Uh, besides Trey Turner, obviously, he does have a forty uh, percent OBP and all that kind of stuff that we really need to get guys on base. And that's what Mike Rizzo said the other day on the radio uh, that he was talking about. You know, oh, we're, we have we're leading this stat and this stat. You know, with we're we're getting guys on base, we're getting guys in running or some scoring position, but you're not scoring the runs. I mentioned that last week. So with Schwarber getting the home runs, you don't have to have that runners in scoring position stat of how many percentage of are you are you getting in? Are you only going two for ten when you get guys in scoring position or whatever it may be? So him stepping up, you know, just like you said earlier when we were trashing Fetty and different things of that nature, we were trashing Schwarber, we were trashing Josh Bell. Now Josh Bell, you know, he's not doing as well uh, as Schwarber has, but he has picked it up somewhat as of late. Uh, it's not that hard to pick up your average when you're hitting like 160. Um, but at the same time, all you need is like two hits, and you, you're back up to 200. Um, but when you're looking at Schwarber, 18 bombs is a ton. And I, if I'm not mistaken, the league lead is uh, like around like what, 21, 22, some of that nature, I believe. Yeah, I think like Tatis is up there. And uh, Acuna's um, up there as well. I saw Acuna tied, uh, it was with 16 like a week and a half ago or something of that nature. Yeah, let's see. MLB home run leaders right now. Uh, 
home runs. It's Vla- yeah, Vladdy Jr. twenty three, yeah. Shohei twenty three, Tatis twenty two, Matt Olson twenty, Acuna has nineteen, yeah. and so Schwarber is right there in the mix. Uh, Salvi Perez, Perez Semyon, Schwarber, and Rafael Devers all with eighteen, as well as a couple other guys. So yeah, um, I mean to have a hitter, a lefty hitter in the. Uh, in the top of this list here, that's not Juan Soto is is kind of one of those things for us. I mean, we'll take yeah. it. And that's the biggest thing, too, is you always have to look. I always think of total bases. That stat is so underrated because of the sole fact, are you getting on base and are you getting extra base hits? Are you stealing bases? Are people moving you around or wh- whatever it may be? And that's why you see Trey Turner is usually really high on that because of his stolen base average. Um, and you know Juan Soto is typically up there as well. But Kyle Schwarber right now is second on the team with 116 total bases, which total base is basically every base you hit. Um, uh, for people out there who don't really know that stat, it's just kind of like one of those like nerdy stats that some people like to talk about. But I just like that because you know he's going out there, and obviously if he's getting three bombs in a game, that's twelve total bases. So that's a lot to add on to. But the, the biggest thing is, like we said, with with Juan Soto, you know, not playing up to his full potential. I guess you could say right now, Kyle Schwarber getting you know six bombs or whatever in the last you know five days or something like that is something that you have to look at and say. This is the type of production that we saw from Harper when he was here, where he would carry the team for a month and he would be hitting a bomb every, you know, nine at bats or some, some something like that. And he'd go out there and basically win games for you because every now and then there'd be a guy on base and he'd hit a two run bomb or a three run bomb or something of that nature to the point where all of a sudden you see him go out there and save games for you. If your pitcher's struggling, if your star player like a Juan Soto right now is not playing to his full potential, things of that nature. But Jan Gomes, you have to give him a shout out too, because he actually had two uh, very good games. Uh, I think they're against the Pirates, but the same time, they had one against the Pirates and one against the Mets in the, in the opening game against the Mets. So he he, he basically right. got two two wins for us as well. And he's not known to be a hitter, but he's hitting two fifty two. So you just got to look at these guys and say, like, hey, some guys are stepping up uh, when they need to right now when the season's pretty much in the balance uh, where the division is so close. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But Schwarber has definitely stepped up his game, and uh, we're happy to see it, no doubt. Yeah, the hope is that, and Trey Turner's still been having a good season, but still his power numbers haven't been there as much. And then hopefully Juan Soto really turns things around. They're going to need him if they want to take this division. Real quick before we move on, just wanted to touch on the league as a whole as far as kind of where things stand right now. Uh, In the East, you've got the Red Sox leading that division with the Rays right there with them. The Rays have lost six in a row, Um, so they're in trouble. That's why they're bringing up Wander Franco, one of their top uh, prospects. You've got the White Sox leading the Central with Cleveland about two and a half behind them. You've got the Astros and the A's deadlocked in the West uh, for the first place spot there. We've already talked about the NL East. The Central, the Brewers and the Cubs are tied for the division lead there. And then in the West, it's been all topsy-turvy this year because you got the Giants now one and a half games up on the Dodgers who are um, uh, and they're about five games up on the Padres. So the big thing that I want to point out is with the Nats is, I mean, just already looking at the wild card race, and I know it's June, so I don't know why we're looking at it, but at the same time, you got to understand that for the Nats to get a playoff spot this year with how competitive these divisions are, you're really going to need to win the division. I don't think the Nats are going to be able to pull a wild card spot this year when you've got a team like the Padres the Dodgers, the Brewers, the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Reds. I mean, all these kind of teams, not to 
And even the teams in the division, like the Phillies and the Braves, who will be fighting right. for uh, wild card spots too. So I just think that, uh, you know, I like the trajectory of this team right now. I like this little streak, a long way to go. I'm more a little more confident. I think I saw um, on Baseball Reference, like a, they, they have like an 8% chance to make the postseason right now so that it's starting to slowly go up. That would be nice. Um, but we'll keep an eye on it. Right. We'll keep an eye on it. We're going to keep watching this team. It's been a fun run here. Uh, but let's move on uh, briefly to the team that plays indoors in the AC instead of this 95-degree weather. Mike's getting burnt every game. Here we go. The Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards have indeed fired. Well, not even fired. They chose not to bring back. He, his contract was already up. Uh, they, the both sides weren't able to come to an agreement on a future contract, and Scott Brooks is no more. And now the attention turns to uh, the upper management of this team and Tommy Shepard and, uh, and Ted Leonsis on who they will hire to replace Scott Brooks and take over the direction of this team. Uh, a team that right now has a couple superstars in Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, at least for now, depending on how the contracts shake, shake, uh, shape up. You've got some young talent in Rui Hachimura, um, some young talent in Daniel Gafford. You've got a couple draft picks here and there to work with. And then, you know, you've, you've got some, some role guys that you have to figure out what to do with. Uh, right now, Mike, it doesn't seem like there's really any indication on where this team might be leaning as far as a candidate, I mean, I put a list together of some that uh, names that have been thrown out there. The, the couple names that I'm hearing the most are Wes Unsell Jr. and uh, Sam Cassell are the two names that I'm hearing the most. And then occasionally Becky Hammond's name is thrown in there. But if you look at the list, I mean, there's a lot of pretty quality coaches that are needing jobs right now in the league. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is I was kind of surprised that Stan Van Gundy uh, got let go yeah, after one year, yeah, one, yeah, one, season. One, one season. There must have been a rift inside the locker room or something of that nature because, I mean, why would you give up Stan Van Gundy when he's had some proven track records with the Magic and different things of that nature? Um, and, you know, the Pelicans, if possibly if Zion didn't get hurt the last little few games of the season, they could have possibly had a run. Who knows? Um, but, hey, that's that's their own deal. But, uh, yeah, so looking at your list that you made, it's a very nice list, um, by the way, cause, so congratulations, good job. Uh, <laughs> I think if you're looking at certain things uh, that, that you might want, like you said, Sam Cassell, he was with the Wiz for five, six years, so he's kind of used to uh, the, the nature of the Wizards. But honestly, I'm kind of leaning towards Becky Hammond. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why, but I just think that with her being in the Spurs organization behind Pop and basically – Having that mentality of you know discipline and you know you, you want to have those role players like I mean you had the guys like Tony Parker and Tim Duncan Kawhi was there I mean you had guys that were there that went through that system and they all worked together as a team and Pop was so good at doing that uh, for years and years I mean look at Danny Green Danny Green was a beast for them for a few years and you you look at it and say can Becky Hammond go in there and make a splash where she goes in there and Brings a different philosophy into the game. Now, everyone always says, and I'm I'm one person to say it too, that women's basketball and men's basketball is completely different. Now, yes, they're playing basketball. Okay, 
it's not as different as say like women's and men's lacrosse, for instance, because they have different rules. But women's rules are similar to to the men's rules pretty much, and it's a different philosophy though. So could that bring in something different where she kind of mixes in uh, the women's game and also pops game from the Spurs? Now you could also lean towards okay, Wes Unsell Jr. You know he's been an assistant as well. His dad is a legend for DC. Uh, and stuff of that nature. Sam Cassell, who has been in the Sixers organization and so on and so forth. Um, now, I'm not trying to lean towards uh, former players like Jason Kidd or Chauncey Billups or anything like that um, because I think this is also, when you look also at the Steve Nash thing with the Nets, I think this is a little bit different of a situation because we don't have three all-stars on this team. No. Um, so I don't think like a guy like a Jason Kidd or a, or a Billups could just come in there. Wait, you're telling me you're telling me Raul Neto and Bradley <laughs> Beal and Russell Westbrook aren't the next big three? Yeah. Oh, well, they could be if uh, Neto wants to stop going 0 for 6 when I bet on on him to make one three-pointer um but uh yeah i just think that i'm leaning a little bit towards hammond just because you know i mentioned it a few weeks ago when we talked about scott brooks and i was like you know becky hammond could be on the roster here um but i think she's been in that organization enough and i think because of her past history of playing and different things of that nature i think she has that mentality can bring uh you know kind of like a brad stevens type of um impact into this team because Brad Stevens came in and he had a whole different philosophy because he was at Butler for so long. And, the, the, you know, obviously uh, this, he came in for the Celtics and made a huge splash and they've been solid ever since and everything of that nature. So I just think that if you bring her in, you might get a different type of maybe Ron Rivera type uh, um, culture shock where he comes in and says, we're, we're, we're disciplined, we're this, 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 and this, and we're bringing a different culture into this team and this organization. And now you look at the Washington football team as being, you know, possibly – uh, a, a leader in the clubhouse for uh, the division this year because we've seen multiple uh, analysis uh, or analysts, I should say, on different networks saying that they lean towards the WFT as the leader in the clubhouse to actually win the division. So Becky Hammond is kind of my top choice as of right now. Things can change, but I think uh, that Tommy Shepard uh, really needs to get on this search and really needs to to think about what their direction is and who matches that direction the most. The other teams that are looking for a coach, because this is a factor as well, is if you are a hot candidate out there for a head coaching job, you are going to have multiple offers, um, and you have to kind of figure out which team is worth it to kind of either help with the rebuild or whatever the situation is. Right now you've got the Boston Celtics without a coach. You've got Dallas because uh, Rick Carlisle stepped down. You had uh, Indiana. Um, who needs a coach. New Orleans needs a coach now. Orlando, uh, Steve Clifford, uh, and then parted ways. Portland is a very, very attractive uh, spot right now with Terry Stotts gone now, and then, of course, the Wizards. So while we would love to have a, you know, Wes Unsell Jr. or, um, you know, Becky Hammond, I think the tough part is going to be when these candidates look at Washington – do they see the team that they want to even right. go to at this stage versus a Boston versus a Portland versus a Dallas? I mean, do you want to go coach Luka Doncic, one of the best players in the league? Do you want to go in Boston? Do you want to go coach, uh, you know, uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and those guys, you know, some of the some of the best players in the league? I mean, uh, or go to New Orleans, like you said, Zion. I mean, yes, the Wizards, uh, Washington's attracted too. I mean, Bradley Beal, one of the best scorers it, that are, um, you know, Russell Westbrook, a, a, a veteran that has played so well over the years. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think I would lean towards 
I think that we're going to see Wes, Un- Wes Unsell Jr. be hired as the head coach for this team. I think, you know, I have my Wes Unsell jersey, my Bullets jersey here in the Look closet you. somewhere. You're prepared. Um, you know, he's he's <laughs> he's he's a legend, and you know, he played on the Bullets, and he's and and they know him here locally, and you know, it's an interesting hire. I mean, I think uh, one thing about Wes Unsell Jr. they supposedly he, he's a really big preacher of defense, and uh, that's really what this team needs. He's been with a Denver team that's obviously has some terrific uh, talent, and, and he's been able to coach them and being the top assistant over there. So uh, I, I feel like Wes Unsell Jr. will likely be the hire. I'm with you. I wouldn't mind a Becky Hammond hire. Um, I wouldn't mind a Sam Cassell hire. I was actually pushing for Sam Cassell to be hired after Randy Whitman was let go, and that didn't happen. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. You just have to remember these other teams that are out there, and if you were a head coach right now, you know, where would you lean? I mean, if you had the ability to coach any of these teams, I mean, let's, I'll pose the question to you. I mean, if you could coach the Celtics, the Mavs, the Pacers, the Pellies, the Magic, the Blazers, or the Wizards, where would you go? And that's the biggest thing, too, is like you mentioned, there are so many stars out there that are leading teams. Obviously, Portland has Dame. You got Jason Tatum for Boston. You got Zion for the Pellies. I mean, you got Bradley Beal for the Wizards. So, you know, and Luca, obviously, for the Mavs. Uh, so you're looking at these top things uh, that people and these coaches are looking at. I think the Wizards are a dark horse coaching candidacy because of the sole fact that you do have a, a very good scorer and leader in Bradley Beal, but you also got Russ, who still has some gas in the tank, uh, and, and that's a big deal because you always want that secondary star. Now, the, you know, Portland has C.J. McCollum and Jalen Brown, as you mentioned, in Boston, but I think some of these coaches, uh, these candidates, should look at, am I going to really get considered or hired as the coach in some of these places? Because... Boston is going to be something that everyone's going to want to have because they got Jason Tatum and, like I said, Jalen Brown. But you also see Dame. Dame's one of the guys that leads into the playoffs every single year. Same thing with Luka. Um, you know, Dame is possibly the best point guard in the entire NBA, possibly. Uh, it's up for debate. But then you also have Luka, who's basically like a, you know, a all over the place where he gets triple doubles left and right. Where would you go if you had if if you if if you were let's say you're you could go to any of these programs, any of these teams. Where would you go? I, I mean, despite my Luca bias, because uh, I would obviously love to coach Luca, but I would go towards Boston mainly because they have uh, two very young stars. They unloaded Kemba, and uh, they, they have the option because they unloaded Kemba. And that was actually a pretty good trade for both teams. You got a couple young guys to add to Boston, but you also have Kemba and his contract basically leaving. Um, but that's the biggest thing. I think I would lean towards Boston, um, but the Wizards are definitely a candidate up there. I, I would say easily in the top four teams because I think there are six total uh, ones that you're looking at. And I saw Portland. Right. I saw an article that Portland was like the least likely for someone to go to. Now I don't I don't know why, but that's what they were saying. But overall, there's a lot of great spots out there that you can go to, and I think that this is definitely something that people got to look at and say, hey. The Wizards, I think they should make a splash because, hey, you're going after like Randy Whitman, you're going after you know Scotty Brooks, you're going after guys that you know you don't want to ha- you don't want a journeyman, you don't want a guy that's 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 basically failed or done this or done that in certain places. So I think that the Wizards are in the top four out of the six. Uh, are they the top two spots? No, but I would lean if I was going to be coaching, I would lean towards Boston. But that's just my point of view because I like young stars, I like young players that you can build around. 
The interesting thing with Boston is now Brad Stevens would be kind of your boss in a way because he's moved into the front office. Right. Um, so, you know, that make we'll see kind of how that dynamic plays out. I mean, this is a guy that's had the reins here um, from the coaching perspective. How much input is he going to have from the front office now? Um, you know, I, I, it might be tough to work in those conditions, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I definitely could see Billups going, uh, Chauncey Billups going to Portland and maybe possibly coaching there. Um, and, and, you know, who knows who the Pellies are going to get. This would be their third coach in three years for Zion. So just <laughs> a lot of instability there. So <clears throat> we'll keep an eye on it. Again, my official show prediction is Wes Unsell Jr. is the new head coach of the Washington Wizards. Um, and mark it down. We'll clip it. We'll have it ready to go in case it happens. Um, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep an eye on the. And room. you're leaning. You the, want Sam Cassell? That's who you want, right? I would love Sam Cassell. Uh, yeah, I would. I would like Sam okay. Cassell to come coach this team. I think it's gonna. The hire is going to be Wes Unsell. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say the same thing. Prediction. I'm gonna say the same thing. I think you are right with the uh, prediction that we're gonna get Wes Unsell Jr. because it's kind of an easy uh, pick. But you go Sam Cassell. I go Becky Hammond for who I want. Got it. All right, all right. And I and I can't argue with that either. I think Becky Hammond would be great. Uh, looking ahead this week, as I mentioned earlier, the Nats have two games against Philly and then four against the Miami Marlins. Let's get into the final lap here, people. Quick 90 seconds of quick analysis on big stories in sports. Here we go. John Rahm wins the U.S. Open. That was an unbelievable win for him, obviously, with his uh, two weeks ago uh, unfortunate circumstance with COVID. Uh, but that was huge because the last day was filled with major winners in the top five spots. It was kind of crazy. Great win for him. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to call up the MLB top prospect, Wander Franco, to play this week. Right. Desperate times call for desperate measures, and you said it earlier. They've all six in a row, and they don't want to lose that lead in the ALE. So, hey, do whatever you got to do. We have a couple hockey series all tied up. You got the Golden Knights and the Canadiens tied up 2-2. Then you have the Lightning and the Isles tied up 2-2. You've been keeping an eye on these series, Mike? I have. Not so much the Western Conference, because I don't care about the Western Conference, but I do think the Isles might upset the Tampa Bay Lightning, because the Lightning are basically like the Dodgers. The Dodgers are just... Are just Loaded, and so are the Lightning with, with talent. And I'm hoping that the Isles can come through because I'm a Barry Trotz guy. Alvin Kamara is now a NASCAR ambassador. He's trying to grow the attention of NASCAR, Mike. Whatever the hell an ambassador is, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's like a like an endorser? What does that even mean? Who knows? Uh, Tom Brady and Patty Mahomes are the Madden cover athletes, both of them. Two Madden cover athletes. My favorite Madison, uh, or not Madison, Madden cover athlete was Mike Vick, uh, because everyone you know got got pissed off because everyone would use him and just run around with QB sneaks uh, and, and bootlegs. Right. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a, a different conversation we should have. Is our favorite Madden cover athletes over the last 15, 16 years? Yeah, I think one one of our drafts that we'll do coming right, up is one. is game video game covers. That's a good one. Um, I think would be would be a fun one. So mark it down. And then one last thing here: the Yankees the other day turned a game-ending triple play. No, I didn't. Crazy. I didn't see that. But I mean, I, who are they playing? I don't even know. Well, that, <laughs> I just know that. Well, they that's just embarrassing. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously that don't that does maybe happens what once a season for the entire MLB, once maybe twice. But that's uh, 
I mean, that's just embarrassing when it ends the game in that fashion because you know that their guys yeah. are on, on base. So <laughs> that's the thing. It was against Oakland. It was against Oakland, and it was their third triple play of the season. Oh, wow. So I was wrong about that <laughs> triple play. I wonder if it was a strike I mean, amount, throw amount, and then someone tried to steal home maybe. It's a record-tying third triple play of the season, um, which is just it's just nuts. Because I guess yeah, I guess the MLB record is is three in a season. Yeah, I would guess. That's um, crazy. Yeah, the franchise had never turned more than one triple play in a season, and now has tied that major league record for most in a season. So there's been eleven other teams that have gotten three triple plays in in a season. So and and just think about this: we're only in June. <laughs> I mean, there could yeah. be other opportunities to to do that. Um, let's move on to a little bit of trivia action here. Here we go. As Mike presents me with a little bit of D.C. sports trivia. Okay, you got to know Washington D.C. sports trivia game. Found a card that has one decent question that does not deal with the formerly known Washington Redskins, the WFT. Uh, so this one is a Washington Nationals question. Okay. I think, okay. I think Ben's going to get this pretty easily, but I, you know I'm not going to bet all my chips on it. Uh, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't bet. I wouldn't bet all of it on. I mean, there were periods. I, I, I know a lot of Nats trivia, but there, I'm sure there are periods of time that maybe I was too busy uh, studying. Well, not studying <laughs> in school. I was pretending to study and really playing video games. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what what the uh, time. Well, this is, is a this one year past the opening season, so it's a 2006. Okay. 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 So you were in high school. Um, I was I in high school. In, uh, I might have, might have even been, might have even been middle school. I graduated in 2011. Oh, maybe. So. Yeah. Actually, no. You were probably in eighth yeah. grade. Okay. Because okay. I was, in, I, okay. was a, I was a, I was a sophomore in 2006. Yeah, 2006 Tigers World Series run, I believe. Oh, Tigers. so you weren't paying attention to the Nats too much then. Ooh. No, Tigers. Tigers had a hell of a team that year. Okay. All right. But let's see. I know. I know a little Nats. Oh, remember, you get one question if you need it. Sure. It's more impressive if you don't. Uh, in 2006, what Nationals left fielder hit 46 home runs and stole 41 bases to join Jose Canseco, Mr. Barry Bonds, and A. Rod in the MLB's 40-40 club? I'll repeat it. All right. In 2006, so for the people at home, obviously. What sure. Nationals left fielder hit 46 bombs and stole 41 bases to join Jose Canseco, Barry Bonds, A. Rod in the MLB's 40-40 club? All right, so I have a guy in mind, and I'm debating whether or not to use my question or not because I'm pretty sure I know this. Um, so you're saying this is the year after the Nats arrived? Yeah, so it's 2006. They arrived in 2005, yes, and they, this guy was 2006, and it's a left fielder. I mean, I'm not. I'm going to forego the use of my question. Oh boy! And I'm just going to go immediately with Alfonso Soriano. Ding ding ding. Oh, okay. I thought, I, thought okay. I knew you were going to get it pretty easily, but again, I didn't want to dig through so many cards where I got to the bottom of the stack before there actually was a Nats question in there. That didn't involve Bryce Harper. No, that was a pretty good question because, I mean, I knew Soriano was part of the, what, the 40-40 club or whatever, um, but I wasn't sure when he did that. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't sure. And I, I, I thought for some reason that Soriano had only been on the Nats for one season, so he must have been on for at least two then. Yeah. He came um, from the Cubs, for him right? To get that. Uh, well, yeah, but he was an Expos guy too. Okay. I think. I think he was. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, again, I he was, went on a lot of teams. He was on a lot of teams, but right, right, because he was a Yankee, obviously at one point too. So, um, but yeah, okay, Alfonso Soriano, man, it, that's pretty wild to think that honestly, 
he was for a long time he was one of the most famous guys to play for the Nats. Oh yeah. Uh, until pretty much until Bryce Harper uh, was drafted and started playing. Maybe I mean obviously the Mount Rushmore now of the Nats would have to be like Nats history would have to be like Strasburg, Max, maybe maybe you go uh, Harper, and then you go. You could go Zim because of the face of the franchise, or you could go Soto because the the World Series heroics and the playoff heroics. It'd be tough. It'd be tough to because I feel like Harper's got to be on the Mount Rushmore there just because. I mean, he, huge impact. He, huge impact. NL MVP. Um, you know that that one year and and huge name in sports for a long time. I but I feel like that's a pretty fair Mount Rushmore, right? I mean, you got Scherzer and uh, Scherzer and Strauss. Yeah, and you've got Harper, and then that fourth spot—that's a tough thing. You go with Zim for the nostalgia of like, hey, this guy's been with the franchise since its existence, mm-hmm. and he kind of deserves that spot. Or do you go Soto? See, my thinking is, I think you give Zim the spot, but give Soto the opportunity to possibly replace Harper on the Mount Rushmore the longer he plays in DC and the more stuff he puts yeah. up. That, that would be my. That's thing. reasonable. I think I think you could definitely go with that. I mean, you obviously know my opinion about Ryan Zimmerman, but at the same time, he has been here in his entire career. He has had some games and uh, and some heroics at certain times. Uh, and his stats, besides his average and stuff like that, sometimes he has those certain years. Um, I don't think he was as, as impactful as Harper was for those, like I mentioned earlier in our Nats segment, where Harper would carry the team. Now, I don't know if Ryan Zimmerman has carried the team in that sense. Um, but at the same time, it's everyone's opinion. But you could put him on the Mount Rushmore because everyone says he's the most impactful guy. I think Soto is going to be on there because there is no way that uh, Mike Rizzo is going to let uh, Juan Soto play for a single other team. You would in hope this, in this world because obviously you, would hope. you know you think about it. He's got Anthony Rendon into the draft from Rice. He got Bryce Harper. They both left because they didn't want to pay him. And he also was, you know, basically uh, finding Ronald Acuna Jr. as well at the same time as Juan Soto because we could have both those guys, but he ended up going with Juan Soto only. And, you know, when you look at that, he's had these finds that have been pretty much star players. And, you know, two of them have left. One of them never came here. And Juan Soto was pretty much the last one out of those four. So, you know, if Juan Soto stays here his entire career, he's going to put up some big numbers and possibly be in the HOF. For sure. I, I think in, in our personal show, Mount Rushmore, yeah. for sure. Um, I do want to get to your gripe, but first we'll hit up the money line real quick. Let's give our picks of the okay. week. Um, so, Mike, bad week. Not only did you get sunburned, but you also <laughs> went, oh, you got burned by your teams. You went 0-2 oh with your picks. Yes. I had a 500 week. I went 1-1. One one. So, right now, currently, Mike is 10-10 and 10 on the season. I am 8-12. and 12. So, I'm inching closer. Um to that 500 mark, it would help if I have a nice little two in a week this week. I'm going to go Clippers for my lock. Right. I'm going to say they even up the series. Now, I want the Suns to win that series. Um, I think I, I, I enjoy watching the Suns play. I would love if they play in the NBA Finals. But I just think the Clippers are going to they're going to even this series up. I think, I think they're going to win game two. Uh, my upset. I'm going to take locally the Washington Mystics over the Seattle Storm on Wednesday. Storm are like 12 and 2. The Mystics, I think, are 6 and 6 or something like that. Um, so I'm going to say the Mystics 
Get the job done on Wednesday. Pull off the upset. They got some star power on the misses. They can do some do some damage. So we shall see about that. I like your upset pick. I'm going to have to tune into that game just to see if they win or not. Uh, I'm going to go with the Suns taking a 2-0 series lead. I just think that they're too powerful for the Clippers. The Clippers do have some star power, but I think some of, some of the guys have been banged up with injuries and different things of that nature. And the Suns, yes, they've been banged up and, and so on and so forth, but they do have Devin Booker, and Devin Booker is just a beast. Um, so I'm going to go with that one. So that'll be a one-game swing for both of us, uh, depending on who wins. And then my upset, the Angels over the Giants with my man Shehei Otani on the hill for the LA Angels. Obviously, like Ben said, I went 0-2 last week, my first time in many weeks going 0-2, mainly because, and I said this to Ben earlier, both my teams that I picked in the MLB lost by one run. So you can see how salty, <laughs> how much Florida salt air I was having in those two days. You know what really grinds my gears? 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 You, America. And that, people, is what grinds my gears. All right, Mike. All right. We teased it. We saved it for the end of the show. What do you got? I will try to keep this, again, short and sweet, because I, I do want to hear your thought about Philly, but if we get to that, we can, unless you want to save it for next week as well. Yeah, we'll figure um, it out. So... My biggest gripe is airports. Uh, at least when you call about when you talk about traveling, okay? Because airports are just the worst. Fort Lauderdale has one of the worst airports known to man. At least that I've been to. I've been to probably five, maybe six airports in the in the U.S. Um, been to three in Florida, um, but Fort Lauderdale is just you know embarrassing. I mean, number one, you're in the COVID times still technically. Florida, not really. They don't really have a lot of mask mandates and all that kind of stuff. They never really wore masks anytime during the pandemic. Exactly. So. Yeah. yeah. So when you're, when you're looking at it, they just had their security line and uh, you know people checking things and different things of that nature literally within 10 feet of everything. The security line, like this one guy was like literally within two you know arm lengths from me and he was the one that was in front of the line i was five rows back like he was so close because they had they had those little like um those little those little poles that had like the like the tape that you like stretch out like whatever the line sure. dividers um you know they were like literally so close that like you would like hit one and they had no like arrows where to go like the the security thing we had to get your you know your boarding pass that little kiosk and all that stuff like mm-hmm. they had like the bag row coming through there like the line they had all these it was embarrassing chaos it was chaos and then you had this one guy the the guy who checks like your your ID and stuff like that before you get to security he just sits there and stares at you and at the Fort Lauderdale you had to put your ID in and then he looks at the <laughs> ID and just looks at you and then but he didn't say anything like like <laughs> like I we, like I saw people doing it so my girlfriend was trying to do it, and she was like, she looked over at me and said, "My dad would be so pissed off right now if that guy didn't say anything. Like, tell us what to do. That's your job. Like, it's right. just funny. Like when people, you know, just don't care. Like you put your ID in, and you're just like, like he's just staring at you. And I'm like, am I good? And he just like stares at me. And then my ID comes out. I pick it up and I leave. He didn't say a single word to me. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's not that hard. It's not. I mean, look, I, a crappy job is a crappy job. Nobody likes working at the airport, I'm sure. But at the same time, it's like, hey, just, just. Just make it a little bit better by at least telling us what you want us to yeah, do. Yeah, and then you have the people that are in line that are trying to tell, like, yell from six people away, like, honey, it's the barcode down. Like, it's, it's like, and then she doesn't know what she's doing, and the guy is just still sitting there saying nothing, and it's just it's embarrassing. And then, uh, not to mention, this is the first time, and I've always had good luck at airports. I don't really get delayed. I don't do anything like that, okay? But then you have the situation where on our flights there and back, 
Number one, they said we had to check our bag. But we saw a million people on our flight have you know a carry-on. They didn't, they didn't do anything. They didn't tag it. They didn't do anything like that. So we we paid 150 bucks for there and back for checked bags when all these other people didn't. Oh man, we were you. salty with that. And then on the way there, uh, you know, we sat together. But then on the way back, they said, "See agent, you need your seat assignment." Because I tried to check in before anyone says anything. I tried to check us in both times uh, online, like they emailed and texted me and all that kind of stuff. And of course, when I tried to check in, they say, can't check you in at this time. Check in at the gate or whatever the hell it said. So I'm like, okay, why are you texting me to check in if I can't do it? So that's that. And then we get to the stupid gate and we're on a United flight that has three rows and three rows. And then they seat us literally on the opposite ends of the plane, separate from each other, which makes no sense because if you put your seat in or you book a ticket with somebody else... They should just, you know, put okay these these two people here, these three people here. You know, you go. You would think, it's like yeah, Tetris. yeah. Like you just put Common people sense. there, and it's like a, like a puzzle or something like that. But no, they sat her in the middle row. We both got middle row, which was fantastic. The middle row, she had row eleven. Meanwhile, I get row thirty-five, which is literally <laughs> like I'm sitting on the toilet. Like you're it on was the engine. So, at that point. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. literally. Oh my and, I, and, and yeah. all I could think about after I was being irritated, uh, which I'll get to in a second by the people next to me, were was like you know when you see like a TV show or a movie where the plane like breaks off in the back and she's in the uh-huh. front and I'm in it the back. It would have been you. I'll be like, all right, see you later. Um, yeah, and, uh, you would have been gone. That was ridiculous. Not to mention, the United has like the direct TV and all that stuff, which is nice. Yeah. And I'm also in the middle. I got this guy next to me who's fidgeting with a damn newspaper. Like, who reads newspapers anymore, number one? And number two, dude, the newspaper is wider than the seat. I'm, like, reading the newspaper while you're putting it in front of me as well. <laughs> and then... Yeah, newspaper, I mean, newspaper is not... It's not a good airplane read. Or if you have it, you yeah. got to fold it over to... Fold it in exactly. half. you got to read it at half right. bits at a time. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so he's doing that, and he keeps grabbing stuff out of his bag, and he said sorry, like, four or five times. And then meanwhile, I'm like, okay... That's one armrest down. So he took two armrests. Then the next lady next to me. And meanwhile, like I said, I am burned to like to a crisp to the point where I don't want to touch oh, yeah. anybody. These people keep touching, no. banging into me, and all this kind of stuff. Oh god, and I, you're and dying! I'm sitting there sweating my ass off, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. To the point where <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm sitting next to this lady, and she keeps um, using both armrests. Number one, number two. My uh, my stupid remote for my TV is on the armrest, and she keeps putting her arm over it. And then at one point, she turned the TV off, and there's no off button. I don't even know how she turned it off. She must have like, had like three combinations of buttons or some code or something. And finally, she got up to go to the bathroom. I'm like, thank God. So I put my I, I finally could watch the damn U.S. Open. Only thing that kept me sane on the entire plane. And I was like so thrilled that she went to the bathroom that one time so I could watch an hour and a half of the damn U.S. Open. <laughs> Uh, but then the funny thing was is that uh, my girlfriend, Jess, was uh, all the way in the front, and she said uh, there was one guy that was wearing gloves. He was wearing a face mask. I don't know, maybe face shield, too. I don't know. He was wearing a hazmat suit, basically. And, sh- and apparently he she gets on, and the guy looks over and says, hey, I'm vaccinated. Two shots. <laughs> and she was like, oh, my nice, God. Nice. And then all of a sudden he was like, so how about you? You vaccinated? And she was like, why, why are you asking me this? And... The fun, the fun. This is what small talk is now. Yeah. Is like, well, that's the funniest part. Just dude. asking, <laughs> asking if you've been vaccinated. Yeah, exactly. Um, everyone's so sheltered now, and that's the funny thing is that literally, 
uh, he was watching the U.S. Open too, and she wished I was next to him because he sat there, and she just kept laughing at him because he kept like whenever uh, Bryson DeChambeau, I guess, is his favorite guy, and he every time he of like course. made a putt, and that guy had a cold oh, laugh. Yeah, he did. So I, I wish that we were on the plane, you know, longer so we could see his reaction. Apparently, he was sitting there cheering and like getting all pissed off when he missed a putt. Oh, so he was like, God. he was like, ah, damn it, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And she's just sitting there watching, like, what the hell? Was, if you're oh. unless Bryson DeChambeau is like your relative. You don't need to be rea- reacting like that unless you're at home. Yeah. If you're at home, react however you want, especially if you got a little scratch on the line, a <laughs> little money on the line. But if you're on an airplane with other strangers and you're watching it on a crappy direct TV, yep. small TV. Standard death. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just, what are you doing? Also, uh, you know, whenever you get hot on the plane, all you got is that tiny little jet of, of air. It's a, and they're like, twist it a little bit, you get a little bit more air. And you're like, it's just the same amount. It's not, more's not coming out. Oh, it's the worst. I, I, it's, I'm so glad I haven't flown for oh, a Oh, dude, now it was one of the most miserable flights I've ever had. Like, I've had, I've had a flight, and that, it, that's comparable to a flight that I had on Spirit Airlines to Chicago. Oh, yeah. yeah and that's, uh, that's <laughs> just, oh, man, it was rough. Because, again, like I said, I'm burnt to a crisp. I'm on the damn runway. The, you know, they said they had a, a plane malfunction with a plane in front of us. They had to turn them around or do something crazy. So that was that, of so it was a 25, 30 minute delay when we're on the damn runway, and then we finally land. And because I'm all the way in, 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 in uh, I was gonna say a cuss word, but all the way in, all the way in, the, in <laughs> Egypt in the back of the plane, they, sure. <laughs> then they they wouldn't let us off in time. And then they kept making an announcement like, oh, there's people that have other flights, so you know, mind your business, your whatever before you get. Oh up. yeah. You gotta let them let them rush yeah. out, or and whatever. then everyone. Meanwhile, gets everybody up. <laughs> does that. Yeah, there's yeah, one lady cool. who was behind me and her, uh, you know, in the line to get on the plane, and of course she's sitting there and she's like asking this random woman that's in Fort Lauderdale about, oh, I, I have a flight to Munich, I need to get to. It's like, well, <laughs> you're not getting on that flight because we're already delayed, you know, getting off the damn airplane. And then God. the 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 flight attendants were talking to her the entire time about the damn Munich. I already know the history of Germany by this point. There you go. You're a genius. Oh, man. At this it was point. it was definitely rough, but uh, there's a lot more stories to it. But I, I just uh, getting getting into it. I mean, it's I think it's reactivating my sunburn right now. I'm getting so frustrated just talking about it. Yeah, we'll we'll <laughs> go put some more uh, more whatever they have you al aloe. Oh, like it's more powerful than aloe. strength sure. aloe <laughs> on your on your arms, and uh, it's good to have you back. And uh, we will we we are excited to have another. Uh, week of action here for the Washington Nationals. Keeping an eye on them this week here of some games. We'll keep an ear out for uh, the Wizards and possible head coach replacements. We're getting closer and closer to training camp for the Washington football team. Um, and then, of course, the Caps, the big expansion draft is on the way right. soon enough. So plenty going on in the D.C. sports scene. The best way to keep in touch with the show. Follow us on Twitter at the D.C. Crossover. Follow Mike at, at Cerrone16. And also follow The Contender. Again, it's Contender with a K. Our show streams live on Tuesdays at noon and replays throughout the week. And you can also catch plenty of other content. They've got a baseball show now. They've got uh, Chicago uh, sports shows as well, Windy City Breeze um, and Big John Z, Joe Z, I forget. Um, But uh, shout out to all those other content on The Contender. And, uh, yeah, please like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast as well. We will see you all next week. This has been another episode of the DC Crossover.